Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're doing okay. Happy Halloween, of course. Uh, does anyone else get slightly freaked out by Halloween? I always used to slightly worry that my dad would say hello on this day. But don't worry guys, 20 years on and nothing so far. So I'm sure you all have a not scary night. I mean, you want to hear from them, but uh, also it's terrifying. One of my best pals lives in Mexico and she is very fond of the Day of the Dead celebrations, which will be happening this weekend. And it's a very unique way of remembering your loved ones who are no longer here. So if you haven't heard of it, do you know just Google it, guys, have a look at what they do, because it can be a nice way to remember them if you're struggling this week. Just a reminder, we have two live shows coming up. One this Saturday, if you're listening on the day that it comes out. November the 3rd at the BFI in London at 5pm. We'll be joined by Emma Freud and Catherine Ryan for some very cheery chats about death. And if you can't make that one, we've got another one coming up on November the 16th at the Dulwich Picture Gallery with Jeff Lloyd, Stevie Martin and Sophie Duker. This week, I'm talking to writer and performer Kaylee Llewellyn. Kaylee is an amazing comedy writer who has a pilot out right now on the BBC iPlayer called In My Skin, which is a really funny and heartbreaking comedy drama about a young Welsh girl coping with her mum's mental illness, and I genuinely can't recommend it enough. This is also a special episode for the Griefcast, as it's the first returning guest we've had. If you haven't listened to Kaylee's first episode, I really recommend you do. It's episode nine, all the way back there. Um, you don't have to, but it really 
really is an incredibly honest and poignant chat from Kaylee. Um, and just to give you the backstory, she lost six members of her family in one year. Yeah, pretty big. So I wanted to catch up with Kaylee again and basically just see how she is doing with her grief journey. So here she is. Welcome to Grief Class. I'm here today with writer and improviser Kaylee Llewellyn. Hi, Carrie Ash. <laughs> you gave me another like ready to speak <laughs> and go and go. Um, Kaylee, regular listeners of Grief Class will know you because this is your return, yeah. <laughs> return of Kaylee Llewellyn. Grief, the sequel. <laughs> She's time, back. This time it's serious. Um, and we've never done this before. We've never done a second follow-up. But if anyone hasn't listened to your episode. Go back now and listen to your first episode because it will explain why <laughs> you definitely deservedly had to come back. Yeah, so um, the first episode... Well, let me say episode, your life. <laughs> like um, The first episode of Kaylee's, yeah, yeah. Kaylee Llewellyn's life. No, um, in my life, which we spoke about in the first episode, I had a 355-day period of losing six family members. Um, still, when you say that, I still feel... Like, someone just hit me in the stomach a little bit. Yeah. And when I tell people, often, you know, when we talk about extremes, I always say, you should listen to Kaylee's episode. Like, that's... If you think you're having a bit of a tough time. (laughs) Like, listen to Kaylee's perspective on things. (laughs) Oh, life comes at you fast sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. it, It does feel strange to me still, because it's that old cliche about death that it's not that long ago yeah really when was it let's put it in context so it was april 2015 through to um april 2016 and i think i spoke to you in 2016 didn't i i think i spoke or did I, we oh. spoke march 2017 oh sorry so yeah, we were yeah, coming right. up for some anniversaries oh yeah, yeah so just like the first year after that so do you want to go through the, if you don't mind yeah. what like who you lost in that 355 days yeah so we began with my father um in april 2015 and then two months later in june 2015 was my granddad and then january 2016 the 23rd of january it was my grandmother and then two days later my 12 year old nephew had an asthma attack and died um and then god the dates start to blur it's about six weeks after my nephew that his mother died and then about another sort of eight weeks after my nephew, his father, my brother, died. So that that was a... I mean, like, I'm sort of half locked because it's just like, it's an insane... And as I think we said at the time, like, if you were writing it, you'd say, oh, that's too much. Yeah. Ease off, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was an interesting thing about my nephew and his parents because that was a whole family wiped out mm. in a matter of about nine weeks. God. That you sort of go, a family existed and now they do not. And they all they all died separately of one another. Because you hear of that happening, like, there's a car crash or there's yeah. a war on and there's a bomb or, you know, whatever. Um, the varying ways people can be killed off. But, yeah, for them all to just die independently of one another so quickly, it was really odd. Yeah. As grief is not just odd, many other things too, but weird. Yeah, that is. I think that's the right word. And we talk about that in the introduction, like, the weirdness of grief, but... I do think that situation is is weird because it is, I think, sometimes we talk to people and I'm like, you know what, people die, that's what happens, you know, parents die. But with you, I do feel like that was a very unusual situation to mm. deal with. Um, so that was, so 2017, so in 2018, so it's been another year. So let's start with like, I guess maybe it's a stupid question, but like how are you at the moment moving a year away from 
another year away from that grief. How has that year been for you in terms of your grieving? Um, I think, so I was 28 when it all began, which, you know, when you're any age at the time, you think, I'm so old and wise. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but now I've I've got another few more years on that. Um, I think it changes and evolves. Day to day, I'm... I'm good. I feel in many ways I'm the happiest I've ever been. Mm. In many ways I'm the happiest I've ever been. But I'm rawer than I've ever been as well. Oh, really? Do you feel like the emotions... Do you feel like you were in shock and now the emotions are starting to bubble up maybe? Yeah, and things come around that catch off guard. I don't know. I still can have my breath physically knocked out of me. Yeah. You know, something comes around or... I don't know, I'll... I have a particular memory of going to see Beyonce uh, at Wembley Stadium um, and having the most awful two and a half hours of my life because it was so cool and fun (laughs) and everyone was dancing and it was the, you know, when the arenas open and this like the sun was setting and the sky looked incredible and I kept having this really overwhelming feeling of I'm so lucky that this is my life mm. that I have enough money that I can come and see Beyonce because not everyone does have enough money to buy a Beyonce ticket because it ain't cheap um, <laughs> and I can look at this beautiful sky and I live in London all my cool friends are around me and we're just having the best time and it kept sucking the wind out of my stomach that I was thinking my nephew will never know this he was 12 and he will never ever 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 know this and so things like that still do come around um but I also, I have a um, good friend, Laura, who lost her mum when she was a teenager. And when Travis first died, and I was finding that so hard. Because when an adult dies, you can go, they lived these things. Yeah. The adults went to concerts, or they, they travelled abroad, or they whatever. Um, with my nephew, I just, any experience that I had, I felt guilty for, almost. Yeah. Um, any fun thing I did. Uh, And I remember Laura speaking to me and saying, instead of feeling guilty, can you start to think I'm doing it for you? Yeah, yeah. Like, he loved climbing trees. And a few weeks after we buried him, I went away with a friend to North Wales, this incredible, like, big stately home with massive gardens and trees. And I was like, I'm finding it so hard being here. Imagine him scrambling up the trees and playing and whatever. And Laura was like, you better get up the tree then. (laughs) If that's what he would have done and that's what he would have loved, get up the tree and be like, I'm climbing a bloody tree for you so that I can experience it because you can't. So um, That's a really nice way of thinking about it. I think so. But it's still hard. It's yeah. still... And I think, obviously, I know you and having still, you know, main, <laughs> maintained our friendship <laughs> despite having you been on the show and you still talk to me. <laughs> I do feel like there is still, obviously, and it's completely understandable, there is still a big sadness around Travis's Yes. Death. Like, I feel like yeah. the way you talk about the others reminds me of other people who come to the show or myself of like, yeah, it's hard, I'm working through it, but there seems to still be such a pain. Understandably, because mm. he was 12 years old and that is, ugh, it's just, yeah, I understand. It's I raw. completely understand that. Well, I think I understand that feeling you're saying about that breath of like, because it's just, it's it's such a painful thing. It is, yeah. And, and with a child in particular, I mean, with all of them, all of my family grief for them and people express their grief in different ways. But with a child, there are things that can still catch me off guard. Like if I open Facebook and someone from my family has posted a picture of him and it's almost that like it gets injected oh, into your day when God. you weren't expecting it. Yeah, yeah. And that's their right to 
share like a photos come up on their Facebook and they want to share it and go remembering two years ago when I was on the dodgems with Travis and now he's not here whatever but for me if I'm just walking into a meeting and I've like on autopilot opened my phone and I almost stagger back because I'm not expecting to see his face and still the shock that like you know we've we've all seen on the news when a child dies or you know, awful stories where a kid is abducted from school or whatever and there's that stock photo of a child in a school Mm. uniform grinning, going around being like, has anyone seen this child? And you just think, God, how awful. And still now, that that stock photograph that comes up of a little boy in his year seven high school photographs is my boy. Mm. That still, yeah, and it, it can knock me off my feet because in the, in the first but second you look at it and go oh who's lo- who's this little kid that someone's lost and you go it's, yeah. it's yours that's and that's still a bit of a a bit of a shock or the, the other week I was out um last week in fact I was at the cinema and I came out of the film and I opened it and I had all these texts from my sister and a, our cousin was at the time at a psychic night and uh oh, blame me <laughs> yeah supposedly the psychic was channeling Travis's spirit and I say supposedly not because I don't necessarily Mm. um not believe in psychics or any of that but um this particular psychic I have questions around (laughs) but I was just walking out of the cinema and I'd just seen this great film and I'd had like ice cream and I was feeling like I was going to go home and have a nice sleep and then suddenly there's all these messages like Travis is Travis is apparently here he's got these messages she's saying this about his funeral and he knows this and he knows that and you know you're just like Fucking hell, I wasn't expecting that right now. I think, yeah, I mean, that just, that still gets me. Yeah. I mean, it is a different situation. I would hate to compare them, but obviously because my, you know, my dad was 44, which is still young, but he wasn't 12. But yeah, there's still things that get me, you know, that's, like you said, still catch you of God. I think the common one is the sim- people looking the same. Mm. Like, I'd still have that, like, especially on the... I've talked about this before, but like on the tube, because he was a man who wore suits, a balding middle-aged man, like you see a lot of that guy on the tube. Yeah. <laughs> like, And I, it still catches my breath when you're like, is that it? Oh my God, it's yeah. my dad. Oh no, obviously it's nice been dead 20 years, but just that sort of human recognition instinct, mm-hmm. I think it must be of like, I'm supposed to look, that, look at that person because that's yeah. my family. That shape and face yeah, organisation yeah. is ingrained on me as, we do do that, don't we, as humans? Like, you know, if you're, they often say that like women will end up with a man that looks vaguely like their dad because you've been exposed to yes, that. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm a lesbian. A lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> but then does it work the other way? Uh, does it look like your mum? M- my Emily doesn't look like my mum, no. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's right. No. That's safe. That's I have thought before though, I sometimes look in the mirror now and I'm, there, there are angles that I look in the mirror where I look so much like my mother. I think I'll never have sex again. I'll never have a sexual thought again. Because <laughs> oh, apparently I'm my mother. It's so freaky how it happens, isn't it? Yeah. It's so freaky. I think my my brother, a lot of people say he looks like my dad, but I don't really see it because my dad was quite short, quite mm. a short Welsh man, uh, typically. And um, my brother's quite tall. And I really... It's funny because some people have said when he walked in the room, they'd be like, oh, it's like he's in the room. And I, I'm so glad I don't... Obviously, because I know my brother completely separately, because mm. I think that would be torturous, like to yeah. constantly be reminded through my brother. But perhaps as he gets older, it will happen. It's yeah, it's it's hard. So you you and your sister are very close. Yeah. Have so you're still kind of talking about it with her then? Like, is you still kind of have it? 
it, I'm guessing what I'm saying, Travis hasn't, it's not so painful people don't mention it, or is it only your sister you're able to talk with it about? No, we talk about him, yeah, yeah. we talk about him all the time. And all of them, actually, there's not any of them where we've gone down the route of like, oh, let's pretend that that mm. didn't happen. Yeah, he gets he gets brought up a lot, which I'm glad about because you don't want to think that um, someone's existence has just been wiped out. Yeah, yeah. You want to believe that they carry on in some way. Maybe they do carry on in some way. I, you know, I'm, I'm open to those discussions. I don't know. But yeah, he's not, uh, he's not just gone. But it, it is still... The open, I've I've still got his texts on my phone. I still have. It was a really. Uh, it took me about a year to take his email off my laptop because he was at the age where we just decided he could have a phone and we were going to set him up an email account. And so I said to him, "Look, Auntie Kaylee is setting you up a Gmail account, but it's going to be on my laptop as well." Because I was uh, mostly doing it because I wanted to speak to him in London. Yeah. And he was in Wales, so I was like, "But I'm going to have it on my laptop too." So just so you know, everything you send and receive, I will see. <laughs> That's the kind of email you're going to have. Good. So I had that thing that every time you open the Google Home stream, the top right corner said Travis. Oh, God. And that was about six weeks before he died. So there was six weeks of emails in there. There was from him to me and my sister. You know, just being like, can't wait to see you tonight. We're going to go to the cinema later. We're going ice skating. We're going to Winter Wonderland. You know, these like fun messages. And so every single time I opened Google, it was there. But it was almost like if I log that out... I'm letting go of his existence. Yeah. So I'll keep it there. And I actually didn't remove it. I, I updated my like user system at one point and it just logged out. I'd never actually got to the point of remo- removing it myself. Maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe it, that's I think it's good better. That yeah. The internet did it for you because, we, yeah. yeah, like, because although it, I think it's really important to remember them, there's also too much remembering, mm. which I have sometimes with doing this podcast of being like, oh, geez, you know, like some days it'd be nice just not to... Stop picking that scab Yeah, all yeah. The time. I think yeah. you said sometimes you want to watch the film and just come out and not remember that you're in that club. Like just For sure. have a break from it. So I imagine every time you're seeing Travis's net every day, that might have been a bit too much, like not even picking the scab, like salt and lemon juice and rubbing it in. <laughs> like, just knife on the arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then... That's not forgetting him in any way. It's just allowing you to work without having that reminder. So I want to talk about something. It's interesting. It's an interesting stat. Because you keep saying, you don't keep saying, but like the fact that you have a family member that went to psychic and stuff mm. like that. So did you go to see a psychic about it? Yeah. You did, didn't you? And other members of your family have been. Is that right? Lots of us have been, which is why I won't say her name because I don't want to ruin her business. But um, <laughs> and I, What, the one you don't trust? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so uh, so she, she is this woman in Cardiff, and uh, is this the dodgy one or the good one? It's one and the same. Okay, yeah, I don't okay. know if she's dodgy or not, but I went. I think the first time after my dad died, I just got because I knew a few people in the area who'd seen her. Said, "Oh, this woman's moved here, and she's great." And I just anyway, um, I don't. I wouldn't say I 100% believe in ghosts or I 100% believe in an afterlife, but I'm open. Yeah. And I'm very intrigued by it. I le- Like, if anyone's ever like, oh, I think I've seen a ghost, I'm like, oh, sit down, <laughs> start to finish. I want to <laughs> know Get a brew and let's do it. Um, so I'm open to that stuff. So anyway, I found it um, comforting and I liked it and that was that. And then I left. Um, and then, obviously, there was a lot more deaths after that. And a few of my other family members went and... 
we have such a big family that they're not necessarily like you know they they're going for their own business. Um, so that was that. But th- there was an occasion. So after this was what sucked me in. Um, when my grandmother died, it was the twenty third of January, and it was a it was a weekend. It was like a, was it a Friday? I think it was a Friday. Let's say. And she died in the evening, and so the co- the coroner wasn't on to like mm. on shift to sign her off and register her death and all of that. So she was in the morgue over the weekend, and we all go to this little side room in the hospital. She died in A and E of Heath Hospital in Cardiff, and she went into this little side room where they display the bodies, and we saw her there, and she went to the morgue. Little did we know that two days later, Travis was going to die in the same A and E of the same hospital oh and be displayed on the same bed in the same bloody side room um and so he died on a Sunday so the coroner's still not in and so it winds up that they're both in the same morgue and so one of my aunties got this phone call the the, this particular psychic was like so in demand that you had to wait like six or seven weeks for an appointment and so she had one in like two months time it's just coincidentally the day after the Monday morning she gets a call to be like oh this woman has had a slot open up do you want to come in today and because we were all just reeling and yeah. anyone want, we wanted any kind of comfort, she went, yeah, yeah, I'll come. Um, and so she called me afterwards and this woman had said, like, my granddad was already dead. And she was like, okay, I'm channeling your gran- your granddad, your father, I should say, John. And he's saying, how's my Marge? How's my wife? And she was like, I can see your mum's spirit. I can tell that your mum's passed, hasn't she? But your granddad doesn't know that she's passed. She's not passing over into right. the other realm. She's staying because she's with a little boy. And she's saying she's scared. He's scared. She's not going to leave his side. She's going to be with him until he figures out that he's died. Because often when children die, the spirits of them, the, their spirit doesn't realise what's happened to them because they're so small. And so she said this thing. And there was a few other things that came up around that as well. But the thing that stuck with me is that previously with psychics, I've always gone, well, there's Google. There's the yeah. death register. There's this, there's that and the other. But I hadn't registered their deaths yet. I was going to be the one doing it in a couple of days' time. They hadn't got, they were still in the morgue. And so the fact that my auntie walked in and she was just like, I know your mother's dead, mm. but that she's not passed over and she's with the little boy, that sort of like, I was like, hang on. Yeah, that, that's definitely, I mean, yeah, I mean, let's start with saying, I am, I don't know how I feel, it's complicated, but yeah, that's definitely enough to, what's the word, like hook you in. Sure. I would also Give be you like, pause for thought. Oh, I'd be like, whoa, okay, that's interesting, rather than like, oh, I'm getting a Trevor, or I'm getting a, you know, a yeah. David, a, a Jane. Uh, yeah. Could be the first letter, could be one of nine letters. <laughs> yeah. Could be the drinky light. <laughs> exactly. So there's definitely, that's, that's juicy enough to make you go, oh, okay. Yeah. And at the time, it was a comfort. And, and I think this is where I come down on psychics is, whether they're real, they're not, they're whatever. If they bring you comfort in a time when nothing yeah, else brings sure. you comfort. And for me, the thought that... It's, it sounds mad now because I've got, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a few years on. But at the time, the thought that he had someone with him. Yeah, of course. And was like holding his hand and telling him that it was and okay. His, yeah, his nan, like, who, yeah. you know, had looked after you all and was a good woman. And, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's... And it's completely it, comforting. It, but also, you know, you say it out loud and you're like, oh, that sounds like the ramblings of a mad person. But <laughs> at the time, I, my auntie told me and I remember just being like, oh, thank God, yeah. you know. And then I, a couple of weeks, or maybe I left it like a month or something and I went to see her again. And this was the other thing that gave me pause for thought. So at the time, it must have been about two months later. So my grandmother's house, we 
were we'd emptied out and we were going to rent it out because we were like my whole family my aunties and uncles grew up there their whole life Mm. um they'd had the house for like 60 years just a small like semi-detached council house kind of thing but it was the house and they still all live nearby and they drive past it every day and they're just like we can't imagine a world where we drive past that house and it's not ours so we're not going to sell it we'll rent it out so it was emptied. And because I don't live in Cardiff now, I wanted to see her, but I had nowhere to do it. So I was like, I could just do it in like my nan's house. And in my head, I was like, that actually might be quite good because there's absolutely no tells or giveaways yeah, right now because yeah. the house is completely empty. Like I had to bring two fold away chairs to sit wow. on because there was nothing there. Um, and so anyway, she comes into this house and I just said, oh, it's my house. Like I've just moved in. I just like bullshitted. Um and so, yeah, my my grandmother's lounge had... So you when you first walk through the... This is so boring to explain over <laughs> on the radio. But you first walk through the front door and there was a door on the left that would lead into the lounge and she always kept that door sealed. Right, yeah. And then you'd walk through the kitchen and there was another entrance to the lounge and she would keep that one open. Um, but because the house was empty, my whole life, that first door was always sealed. Yeah. But now both doors were empty. And so we sat on these two chairs and she pops her music on with, you know, she's giving me some crystals to hold and all that malarkey. And um, within about five minutes, she was like, oh, I've been told that uh, that door that's open right there needs to be shut. Your Nana says she always has that door shut. She doesn't want it open. Can you get up and shut it? Oh, for my her? God. <laughs> and so that was a bit of it. That, then I was just like, oh. <sighs> yeah, because even I feel a bit like, well, OK. Yeah. And I don't want I. It's really hard for me because when when it happened, obviously, when I was 15, I would have loved that to have, mm. I really, like you said, that that urge and that need to believe they're somewhere, I can talk to them, it's real. And I think I didn't go to anything like that. And But then 20 years on, I'm very cynical about it in a way that surprises me for someone who grew up mm. holding crystals and angel cards and a lot of stuff. But my, I think I've talked about this, but my uncle and aunt, so my dad's brother, um, I don't. I don't quite know how involved it, but they they go to a church, a spiritualist church, or I'm probably saying the wrong phrase. I'm sorry. Anyway, they occasionally have psychics at this church, right. and a couple of times they have said, "Oh, your dad was there and stuff." And one, I found it very scary. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, if he's there, can he be anywhere?" Like, yeah. whoa, that, where's he now? Yeah, that to me is suddenly opened up this. Like, if that's true, then what the fuck else is true? Because, like, if he can pop along to this church in Swindon or whatever, then can he just fucking turn up when yeah. I'm watching things? Is he and... on the train? How's he getting down yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, is he watching me when I'm sleeping? That's creepy. So I found it scary, which I think is a good thing, because I'm definitely someone who would have really gone down that road. Mm. Like, it, I think I'm I'm a very addictive personality, and I, I'm quite good at sensing, like, mm, don't do that. You'll you'll become a junkie. <laughs> so I could sort of sense it with like the psychics, like don't do that. You'll really believe you'll have it. no self control. Yeah, and so I stayed away from it a lot. And then a couple of years ago, my uncle rang me up, and he, I don't talk to him very regularly, but he rang me up and he said, "Oh, you know, how are you?" And I said, I'm "Fine, yeah." And he said, "Oh, you're like your dad's been in touch." <laughs> I was like, "Right," oh, and um, a psychic, and it was just like I. Uh, like a really funny name and she was from like just somewhere like really fun like everything about it was funny like I want to say like Sandra from Swindon or something it was yeah, something that you're going classic you're like if I was writing a sketch about that I'd change it because I think that was a bit much yeah. and they said that she had been touched and that she had a warning for me that I wasn't well 
And this was like two <sighs> years ago. Yeah. And I, at the time, so immediately he told me, I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's useful. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I don't think that's okay. Mm. Because it, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, if my dad was going to get in touch, that would be a really shitty thing to tell me. Or there'd be better ways Begin of... Begin with hello. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, exactly. Or why has he got in touch with Sandra from Swindon and not me? Like, yeah. it's... And it's hard because it's definitely something I think, yeah, you said it can bring comfort, but I think there are people that obviously make money out of people's pain. And I'm now, for someone who isn't cynical, for someone who, like you, is like open to everything, I get really worried about those people because I'm Mm. in that club and because I know how vulnerable you can be. And I remember speaking to you about it just after you'd seen her I think and um, and yeah. I was being quite negative and, and it was comforting you and I could tell I was like Carrie I just let, <laughs> let it go it. yeah let her have it but I was like <laughs> but because it scares me yes and because of what happened with my uncle that I was like and then one time they there was one time they drew a picture of my dad someone drew a picture of the, a psychic and this picture turned up they gave me which was like just a bearded man <laughs> beard for like once but like, <laughs> he's grown it in now yeah oh, oh right, funny yeah. you could see him he's but, got yeah how do you feel now so she gave you that reading then at the time obviously like that's some good stuff she said yeah like, i'm not taking that away and i boil it down into in that it brought me so much comfort right then mm. when i needed it and when nothing else was comforting me and mm. i remember toing and froing in my mind is it real is it not is it real is it not and i came down on the side of like nothing else is soothing you right now yeah and in a world where that piece of knowledge might soothe you, just allow it. Yeah, definitely. And part of me, like, I don't know. I like remaining open. I like believing that the universe is completely vast and we, as humans, are not equipped to understand yeah, the vast yeah. majority of it. We physically c- cannot. And so I want to remain that. With this particular woman, I think she's, she said a few things that I absolutely, in my, like, rational brain, cannot find a way that she knows them. Yeah. She said some other things that I think... I was one of the first people to see her and I think in the months after she's seen my family members and they report stuff back and I'm like I told her that yeah she's regurgitating a piece of information that I told her so then I'm like well does she have a bit does she have an ability but there's not that much chat with the spirits (laughs) that she can keep enough info going for everyone beating her door down yeah but then there were some other things like I remember she told at the time, again, I was completely sucked in about this, but she'd seen a cousin of mine around the time, um, and this cousin fed back to me that she's, she... So she mentioned Travis's death, and this is something that struck me as being true, but now I told my girlfriend about it the other day, being like, oh, this happened before, and I actually think it was bloody awful that she said it. So when we saw Travis um, after he'd passed away, he had a, a mark on his cheek, Oh, God, I'm sorry, this is such a grim story. But, you know, as you're with him for a bit longer and the body starts to change colour, this this mark on his face got darker and darker. And because I, I don't know, you're just in complete panic mode and I'm, st- and I'm stood there thinking that my whole world is gone and nothing makes sense anymore. The only thing I could cling on to was asking this question, what happened to his face, what happened to his face? Yeah, yeah. And no one knew because he died on his own. So it was like, well, we'll never know. But mm. something happened to his face. And so then she sees my cousin and she says to my cousin, oh, Travis is here and he's holding his face. His face hurts. He's saying, ow, ow, ow. Um, And then she said, oh, he, as he was having an asthma attack, he fell and he cracked his head and it's really hurting him still. And that was a piece of information that I was like, how how did she know that? On his death certificate, it just says asthma. It doesn't say, you know, because I'm still going, how do you find that information out? 
Um, but then she said this other thing to my cousin where she was like, he, you know, she, apparently she started crying during the reading. And she said, I'm sorry, I never do this. But he, 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 it was an awful death. And my cousin told me that information. And at the time, again, I was just at, at the point of grief where I was right in the thick of it. And everything was just a punch. To, everything felt like a punch to the face. But that is a punch to the face. Yeah. Like that fucking, that's what makes me angry. Like why I, did she say why that? Why does she say that? And because if it's not true, it's, which probably yeah. it's not, why say it? Other than does it lure and people if, in? And even if it is, you know what, even if it's fact, what use is that information mm. in terms of healing? And I, yeah, this I, it's a really complicated issue. And I, I you know, because I, I am some, like... I have friends who are like militant atheists. My husband like, thinks all of this is just utter bullshit. Mm. And I find that, I'm like, oh, come on. We don't know. But when I hear stuff like that, I do get really angry because I feel like, look, some of us believe in some really weird things and we don't need people yeah. like you making the weird things look weirder. Please don't mug us off. Yeah, come on, because it's already hard enough to defend what we believe to the rational yeah. people. Yeah. And you're making us seem... For her to say that, I feel... If she has the magical ability and she knows that, does... Does she need to? Does anyone need to know that? Have like, a censor. What What good is that information? And also, who? Def- also, I'd say who defines awful? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. what does what does that mean? Mm. Like, she is she defi- is is Travis's spirit saying that? Well, it, is that because he's he fell over and he hurt himself? But then we're talking about someone who isn't alive. So how? Yeah. How can he, you know what I mean? You get into such blurry lines and that's why I'm scared of it because I feel like, I feel like, this is the truth, right? I have to really hold on to the fact that my dad's dead. Like I have mm. to keep telling myself that. That's why I do the show because I think my imagination can very easily turn it into something else or, you know, not believe it. I think I have a little part of my brain that's like, la, 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 everything's <laughs> fine, everyone's alive. So I have to keep being like, carry Ed, he's dead, that happened to you. And I think as soon as they open that door, I'm like, so can he still feel pain? If he, if you're crying yeah. now, does that mean he's still in pain? Like, Because it sort of blurs that line, doesn't it, of dead and alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, I do think that's a bit dangerous. <laughs> It's it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible. I'll get you right <laughs> as well. Right. Because I think like I can imagine in if I'm a psychic now and either I have genuine ability mm. or I believe I have ability yeah. but I really don't or I have no ability at all but I've I've found myself a craft. Yeah. There I guess are the, the three options. I imagine all three of them in their mind go I bring people comfort. Yeah. People who can find comfort nowhere else find comfort in me. So say what you want about my profession, mm. but I do a good thing. And I buy that. Yeah, I, yeah. I buy it absolutely. But then when they feed information like that, or like your uncle calling you and going, yeah. your dad from beyond the grave says you're ill. Yeah, he said like, yeah. And I found that really difficult. He was like, oh, you know, your dad is saying that like, he's worried about you. And I was like... I'm an anxious person anyway. So now you immediately may think I'm Give dying of rest. Uh, yeah, please. I'm dying yeah. of cancer and my dad from beyond the grave is the only one who knows. But also like as my mum pointed out when I told my mum, she was like, Well he wasn't a bloody doctor, was he? So how does he fucking know? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's also true. And I was like, it really, if you have one message, you've waited twenty years to tell me. And again, it's like if you have one message from Travis, mm. if you can speak to him, is that is that, is that the, the message? most pressing thing? And you know Travis. She didn't know him. Would would that be the thing Travis would want to say to mm. you? Like, you know how he communicated and all of that stuff. Like, would that be the thing that he'd go, oh, that's I've got one chance. The door is open. No, he just said, can I have a go on the Xbox? <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. That's what you would have said. If she'd said that, that's the thing. <laughs> I'd like, have been sucked in. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's true. It's like, they because it's a bit like we were talking about today. Like, whenever someone believes they were reincarnated, they're never like, oh, I was, you know, Joan Parkinson who worked in a factory. They're like, <laughs> I was Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. They're always a big dick. Yeah, they're yeah. big. Because that's exciting. And I think that's the thing of, like, if psychics could tell you the, the minutiae, like, if it was like, oh, your dad got in touch and he's, yeah, he's working constantly, he's upset that he can't get a new deal, I'd be like, oh, that sounds right. But yeah. then to go, hey, you've got him right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, if he said, can I have gone next, or I miss my Xbox, then you might have been like, oh. Legit. But, legit. But, yeah, to, I do think it's... But I don't think, as ever, it's a binary issue because I do think she did give you comfort. And I completely yeah. understand that. Like, saying that your nana was with him, like, oh, yeah, that's that makes my heart feel better mm-hmm. for him. Like, And maybe that is true, but then maybe the other stuff is wrapped up in her imagination. Oh, who knows? But you, you have to protect yourself, don't you? I think you have to take what brings you comfort yeah. and try to disregard the rest. Yeah. And don't get caught up in it. Like, I've not been again. I, I won't say I'll never go again. Yeah. But I, try, I might try and do something where I'm just like... Like, I went once quite a few years ago now when no one had died just because I was, like, curious about my future. <laughs> and I was at Camden Market and I saw someone with a oh, sign yeah, up. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to go in because he won't even know my name. Like, there's no way he can yeah. Google me. And that's I, that situation appeals to me. Yeah. Because if I can sit down with a complete stranger and they haven't had a chance to go on a computer. Yeah, that's true. And strange. then they can give me something meaty. Oh, yeah, in the age of the internet. Like, it's hard. If you book, and um, what's the name, please? Kaylee Wen. I'll see you next Wednesday. There's not that many Kaylee Llewellyns either. Yeah. You'd have to sift through many, would you? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I think it's it's interesting. And I, I said, I'm not like, I know people who think they're evil and you should never, but I don't. I don't think that. I just think it's going carefully, I guess. Yeah. I think that's what I remember trying to say to you very badly at the time of like, mm. just be careful. Like, yeah. just make sure that you don't. I guess what I've seen in the past as well is people get addi- addicted. Yes. And they want to keep speaking to that person. And that's what I think I'd get addicted to. And then you, you're you not talking to your dad or your nephew. You're talking to some woman who thinks yeah. that she's your 12-year-old nephew or your Some dad. woman in literally in a council flat in Cardiff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you could do that without paying for it. Just you know, knock on someone's door. Yeah, like, exactly. Can I have a chat? Exactly. Can I have a chat, please? Yes. So, I don't know. I, I guess I, I remain completely not knowing, but cynical mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So you're coming up to, have you just had a load of anniversaries then since we just had April? Yes. Well, um, so my uh, brother and my dad are in April. Travis and my nan are in January. So my granddad's will be the next one this month, the 25th of June. Um, But I'm finding, one thing for me about anniversaries that I'm realising is that it's always the thought of the thing is worse than than the thing. So much worse. So much. The week before I find... Like agonizing, uh, yeah. The day itself, normally all right, and then the day, day after, completely fine. Like, yeah, and it's also I spend a, a couple of weeks being like, you are gonna feel so bad. Yeah, yeah. Imagine how bad you're gonna feel, which in turn makes me feel awful. And then the day comes around, and I'm like, oh, thank, thank God, it's just done. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to put less uh, stake on anniversaries in that sense, other than using them as an opportunity to like do something that they yeah. would have liked to have done on that day yeah. or whatever, you know. So make it something nice anyway. Like, we've planted a tree in Travis's memory at Victoria Park. So that's a really nice thing that I get to do is to just go and sit there on a sunny day yeah. and see this, like, nice thing. And so that the times of grief can... I don't know, that you can look for... You can find a way to do a lovely thing mm. so it doesn't log itself in your muscle memory as horror ah it's almost like burn oh don't touch that it's yeah. gonna burn it's gonna hurt instead i can be like oh maybe i'll get like a nice cookie and a sandwich and a drink and a little picnic and i'll sit by the tree and it becomes a less horrifying thought i definitely think any ex- making an excuse to have a nice day yeah so then also you don't have to feel bad you're just yeah. like oh i should be working or i should be like no today's the day i'm gonna like see my family or see my loved ones and yeah, make it positive without necessarily being like, we are remembering. Everybody wear black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five minutes silence. Yeah, like I had the 20th anniversary this year and I found God, it... 20 oh, years. I know. It's unbelievable. Massive. I found this anniversary really hard in a way that I didn't expect to find it that hard. But for about two months, I felt I could... Fe- I described it to my therapist. I could just feel it coming towards mm. me. Like a big fucking black hole. Like just like this horrible sticky mess and me and like almost like every day being like oh a little bit closer to that fucking mess yeah. <laughs> being like and then the day itself was fine it wasn't nice but it wasn't awful it was just nothing and I saw my mom and I was with my daughter and we just had a chilled out day and we both just didn't make a thing which was really good and then, like, the day afterwards, I honestly felt... I felt like I'd done, ex- you know, like, that horrible exam. Yeah, it's I like, felt relief. like, I'm done, I'm free, because yeah. it'll never have to be 20 years again. Yeah. And I think, I obviously, every you know, every year is a new experience, and I'm so used to kind of... The beginning anniversaries are hard. One to five, tough. Mm-hmm. And then five to ten, I think... Well, it's, yeah, obviously, everyone's different, but I think there's that... Definitely, I felt from, like, 15... To 19, I, it, so it was a bit like, well, like, is it 15, is it 7, who knows? I can't remember. It's just time. But 20 to me just seemed really like such an official it's number. It's a significant one and it makes yeah. you address everything. Mm. 
Big numbers like that. But I, I also think, I try to remind myself with anniversaries and, and all of that, that they are just figments of our own imagination. Yeah. One, time is a construct. True. But two, I mean, if that you... That much we do know. That much we do know. <laughs> um, but two, if you... Yes, of course, they're momentous in the sense that they bring you to a place where you go, this time last year, I was. Yeah. This time two years ago, I was doing such and such. But if we, for some reason, had like the norovirus yeah. in the preceding days and we fell asleep for 24 hours and woke <laughs> up and the anniversary was gone, it would mean nothing. It would register nowhere. Yeah. Because all, every everything that we hang on it and every everything about it that makes us believe that it's momentous is all created in our own minds. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we have the power to completely like mind over matter with it, but there's this like thing about anxiety, you know, that like if you're holding a glass half full of water for 30 seconds, it would feel like nothing. If you held it for an hour, it would start to hurt. If you held it for a day, you'd be crippled with agony. And when it comes to anxiety, they say, you know, put the glass down for a minute. The glass still exists. The water still exists. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying so hard to put the glass down. (laughs) Put it down. And I try to think that, like, put it down. Yeah. It's not... Okay, there's a mark in the calendar that says it was one year. But if I choose not to attach all of these things in my own brain, if I choose to not do those, I don't know if this is healthy or not, uh, the way I approach it. But just because I I don't want to dread every day in the way I have previously. You've got a load of anniversaries to Bitch, be busy. (laughs) I can't do it. Because you've got their birthdays, you've got their death days, you've got the day that you found out they were sick, you know, or days of their funerals. And the next thing you know... there's not a day free. I've got no time. Yeah, <laughs> ain't nobody got time. Yeah, so but um, uh, yeah, that's. I what know. I, try. I think because that's the thing. I totally agree with you, and I think perhaps perhaps there's a similarity in our stories in a in a way in that like I've had a long time and you've had a lot, so I think maybe you're further down the line than if it was mm. just one death because you've had to deal with so much. Yes. So I think there's nothing wrong with worrying about the anniversaries at all but I agree with you because I've been doing it for 20 years I was annoyed like I was like fuck really again mm-hmm. I have to like do I did this year's one to five <laughs> yeah I've got to dredge this you up know? and it comes and goes but my husband said something really interesting the other day he said um I thought it was interesting he said um I'll let you know if I agree yeah sure <laughs> something came on the radio and it was his birthday like something oh in 1966 on his birthday and he was like ooh that's my birthday in the way that you do when someone says your birthday and yeah. something important happened and then he was laughing himself because he was like those days aren't connected we've made the connection we've made years and weeks and months yeah. that I feel like oh because something happened with you know in communist Russia in October that's the same as me and it's like those days have nothing in common they're miles away from each other mm. but we place patterns on everything because um, we were talking about anniversaries as well and he was like yes as you said there is that connection but there also isn't at exactly the same time mm-hmm. and I think that is important to remember so that you don't like you said hang on to the glass till your fingers are breaking yeah it's important to remember them and acknowledge them and all of that but equally that day actually has nothing to do with what you were doing last year like for sure, yeah. and I, I, but it makes sense to me that as humans with what we believe to be big brains, but probably in the grand scheme of things, pretty minuscule brains. Like I heard the other day, I didn't know orca whales have more emotions than humans do. What? They can register more emotions than That's we can. That's why I don't call the orca whale anymore, because he is too much. <laughs> He's oh so emo, God. man. Um, but, you know, we, we always have this idea that we are the most intelligent, we are yeah. the most heightened, we are the epitome, and I don't necessarily 
believe that we are. But uh, yeah, so I think with our brains as they are, we try to find order in chaos. Yeah, definitely. And death by its very nature is chaos. It's completely yeah. out of control. It, I have this print up in my room that says, elephant chooses to stand on your car. <laughs> because to me, that just means, yeah, something bigger can come along and take what you loved. It's not yours anymore. It doesn't exist. Goodbye. Yeah. That's it something better has taken it away um but it makes sense to me that humans go is there a pattern there is there a rhythm is there like the other week i was like oh fuck i can't believe donald trump is a gemini <laughs> why am i wasting my my airtime speaking about that because i'm a gemini too what so i'm donald, donald trump <laughs> no they're not linked but my stupid petty brain is trying to find i am annoyed about that for you though oh, thank you mm, um giving us all a bad name but yeah we try we try to find Order and chaos. Definitely. And I th- we've said this before, like, that's what we said, like, death and sickness, and especially what you have with Travis, that extreme, out of nowhere, life being there and then gone, is so shocking and so confusing. And that's how I felt for so long. So I was just like, what do you mean he's dead? My dad's dead. Like, what do you mean? Mm. So that's why psychics always scared the shit out of me. Because I was like, whoa, I'm still getting my head around the fact that he's dead. Don't start saying he's not. Like, fucking hell. Don't throw a bloody curveball at me. Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. And I think, yeah, of course we look for patterns. Like, I think, like you said, it's it's just a very hard thing to negotiate. Because you want to be comforted. And you want to find peace. But you also want to stay sane. And, you know, not lose your brain over it. Mm. So it's... I feel like sometimes it's just an ever-changing process. And like you said, I think it's really interesting. Things that work for you year one don't work for you year two. Like, yeah. you have to be aware of, like, stuff, shit changes. Systems got got to evolve. Yeah. It was in September last year, one of my really dear friends, her boyfriend passed away. Yeah. And um, so he'd been diagnosed. He was only 35. He'd been diagnosed with cancer a few months before the suggestion was that he's young, he's healthy, we caught it, you know, we'll we'll work on it. And then, like that, he was gone. And that was strange then to feel... Well, that was a different kind of death that I hadn't experienced before. Yeah. Um, and he, he was just a wonderful, lovely, delightful human being and the love of my friend's life. And they just bought their first house together a few months before and and the fact that they could be you know in uh, Christmas moving in and so excited and by the September he'd been snatched away and I remember just feeling like okay now I'm angry and I also like I know that uh, because I say it to myself all the time we have no control but all of all of my friends in London traveling home to Cardiff for his funeral and we were all just looking at each other like this isn't how it's supposed to be we're all 30 and we are constantly crying in a car, holding hands together as we go home to bury someone we love. And I don't think it is okay yeah. that we've had to bury so many people at this age. And I certainly didn't expect it. Um, but for my friend, you know, watching her go through the loss, it's just having that whole life snatched away from her. I was ang- I was angry. I was like, this mm. isn't... Why? Why is this allowed? Why is this okay? I know, it's so shit. It's so shit. There's, yeah, it's, it's just. But do you awful. do you think do you think there was some of that anger of Travis's death coming out in that, or did you think they were very separate? Maybe, yeah. Because I certainly, um, you know, if ever there's time when it's not about you, it's when yeah, someone else yeah. is going through that. But the, it was definitely like you know, going home to be with her in the yeah. aftermath and just being um, beyond devastated for her. But I suppose there's also like that. I don't you know when you're young and you have your first proper heartbreak. Mm. And it 
is all encompassing and painful for so long and the only thing that makes it go away is time and until then you're just in agony I feel like grief is a bit well grief is far worse than that but just Mm. as a uh, analogy being with her and sort of seeing her desolation and in my mind being like I know nothing is going to make this better yeah but also that said um if anyone does ever feel guilty that they have they have they know someone who they love who's grieving and they feel like they're handling it badly I've been through six. I felt like I kind of knew. I still think I handled it badly around yeah. here. Like, oh, I still God. get bungling everything. <laughs> and then I was just like, what? You know, don't do that. Why are you doing that? Oh, don't. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm the go-to grief girl. I'll tell you what to do. And then I I found myself, my very good friend, um, her boyfriend recently lost his mum. And I was like, you must come over. You must come over <laughs> and we'll eat and we'll just you know, have a great time. We'll talk about death. And I didn't bring it up once. And oh. I have written articles about talking about it. And to be fair, it just didn't really come up. And I don't know him as well as her. So I was like, you know, if it was her, of course, I'd be right in there. And I, I closed the door on them and I was like, oh, that was so nice. I didn't ask him about Damn his mum. Like, what the fuck? I'm the person like, talk about it. Don't hide about it. But I just... I think, yeah, it just because you've dealt with it all the time doesn't mean you... And I felt like a bit like with you... Because when Travis was so young, and I was like, "Oh, not in my, not in my toolbox." Yeah, uh, I am so. You want to talk about dads and grandparents? Like, sure, I got it. And when your pain over Travis, I was like, "Oh, this is, this is new." And my friend also lost her son. I think he was, I think he was about twenty-one. But yeah, still, was, mm. that was the first time I really was like, "Oh, I." I now understand how people feel when I talk about my dad's death. Like, I was like, oh, God, I want to leave the room. Oh, God, this is so awful. Yeah. Like, Whereas when I've seen that on people's faces, I was like, oh, what's wrong with you, you know? Where's your just fucking, this is life. But Toughen up. Yeah, but... It, it does give you a newfound um, understanding, though, that on the whole, everyone means well. Mm. And they might completely fuck it up. Yeah, and yeah. they package it in the wrong way and they do something stupid and they get on your nerves or they or, or sometimes they're actively like offensive in their attempts <laughs> yeah, that does also happen yeah definitely had a couple of those but um everybody's heart is in the right place yeah. they're all just going how can i connect with you yeah. how can i comfort you i'm so sorry i got it wrong yeah and i think that's it because we don't talk about it enough it's sometimes hard to communicate that back of like, oh, that was, you sort of got that wrong. Mm. Like it's I, like, even that phrase is shit. But like, I think like, you know, we talk about heartbreak. So you, you sort of know if someone's heartbroken, like, oh, these are things that might help or I'll talk to you. But because we don't talk about death, when someone does say something offensive or awkward or weird, it's very hard to address it. Yes. Because you're, I feel, I feel like they tried. That was probably very difficult for them. So if I slam the door, they might never ask anyone ever again. Yes, don't don't put them off ever being yeah. a comfort. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes they've, you know, done it very inappropriately with me and I've had to be like, oh, it's really painful what you just said. But because I want you to carry on asking your friends about death, I'm going to have to take it for the team. Um, it's weird that when you're the grieving one, you often have to be the bigger person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But then I guess you're the one... When you're in it, things are clearer. Things are slightly clearer. That's what I found. When you're, you have a clarity. It's interesting, though, talking about the heartbreak thing, because I definitely had that that heartbreak is easier to understand in a way. Because on the whole, if you if you're mm. if we're adults, we've all had a heartbroken at some point. And um, I, after all of the deaths, <laughs> I should start calling this like AD and BD. <laughs> uh, after all of the deaths, I. Um, started dating a girl Emily who's now my now my long-term girlfriend but at the time we just started dating when was it it was September 
2016. So the final death had been April 2016. Yeah, I remember it being very Still new, still raw. And um, we'd only been going out about, well, we'd been dating for like six weeks, but it was different, you know, when you're like, oh, this is, in my mind, I was like, this is going to be big. She's everything I've been waiting for. And that had had all that had separate issues as well that um it's probably worth mentioning in terms of like the process of grief that I found it really, really difficult to fall in love mm. initially and meet someone like that and um uh believe I don't know, be vulnerable with someone else and let your guard down. My body I had <laughs> the first few times I stayed at her house, I had anxiety attacks. And this is someone that like I'd known for two weeks and I'm, I wouldn't normally expose myself in that way um, or be vulnerable in that way yeah. around someone who I wasn't really, really close with. And so like I just kept like booking Ubers home from her house and being <laughs> at like 5 a.m. and being mortified. And my therapist was like, yeah, your body is saying don't fall in love mm. again. She will die. Anyway, so we had this sort of intense six weeks where I was like, I'm pretty sure this is really amazing, but it's got its tricky aspects and whatever and then Emily broke up with me she was like you know for many reasons she was just like I don't know I just don't know if this is right right now maybe we should be friends and I freaked out like I remember going home that night and bear in mind this is a woman that I've known for six weeks and we've dated never knew of her before six weeks I went home that night and I remember laying in bed didn't sleep a wink and I felt the way I felt when I like when I buried Travis. Yeah. Like I had all the same bodily reactions. My heart was racing. I was freezing cold. I was shivering and all these things. And I, in my head, I kept being like, you don't really know her. Mm. It's, it's been six weeks. And on the next breath, I could be like, but I do think she's supposed to be someone special. And so anyway, this went on for quite a few weeks. And I, from where I'd gone from losing all, the, all my family members and not really wanting to talk about it and yeah. like going out and not communicating with that many people and... I was so different on this. I was like, call my agent. Can we meet for a coffee? I'm going through a hard time. Um, you know, like friends of like friends I haven't seen for ages. Or like, I remember me and my best friend, Matt, uh, who write together, we were working and I had to just get up and keep leaving the room and go for a walk around the block because I was like, I'm so anxious. I'm not coping and blah, blah, blah. Or like I'd walk into an improv gig and someone would be like, how are you? And I'd be like, oh, my life's over and everything's shit. <laughs> um, and I was being so much more open than I'd ever been before. And then Matt... Um, wise old soul at one point said to me do you think that you're grieving for your family now mm. and be in public with it because heartbreak is a language that everyone understands it doesn't make people feel uncomfortable you can talk about it over a drink yeah. everybody wants to hear they everyone can offer you advice and the way you just kept the death silent you're getting it all out now yeah and i was like ah, uh, i think yeah yeah well half and half i was like on one hand i think emily got it wrong and we are meant to be together forever. <laughs> yeah um but also i think you're right and obviously now me and emily are back together and and uh and that's all and she was wrong <laughs> and, and she was right i think that is the takeaway <laughs> <laughs> no but i think that's really interesting because i totally people with heartbreak can give you solace they mm. can say you'll get over it i know it feels bad it'll be all right and they you can't do that with grief. I remember yeah. when you came to me at the start of that journey and I remember thinking, oh, I'll have to tell her it's all right, but obviously she'll find out in a year it won't <laughs> be. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, what can you do? And someone's like, oh, I feel better. And you're like, yeah, you will, but you also won't. So, you know, you just go, of course you will. Look at me, I'm fine. Because you have to offer them comfort. Like, mm-hmm. I was the psychic at that point going, yeah. I'm just going to tell you the things you need to hear. But with with heartbreak, yeah, with grief, you there isn't that, happy narrative which I talk about all the time Mm -hmm. and a lot of people I guess can go yes you know I thought 
I thought they were love of my life, but then I found this person and then everything was great. They can't go, my dad died, then another dad came along. And suddenly, every even better dad it, appeared. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't pan out, does it? And he was actually a lot more round. And yeah. it's just, actually, it's, it's worked out really well. Just a sensitive, good man. Yeah. We had a lot of hugs. And just think, if he hadn't, if the first one hadn't died, I wouldn't have met that one. Like, <laughs> you don't have that with members of your family. Yeah. So, of course, you're able to express it in a way that's... And it's kind of gross because I know what that means because it's kind of like acceptable like mm. people are, are not going to go and especially I think because your situation was so extreme I think people just did not know what to say did they if you're like oh well I've had six deaths it's like uh, I could cope with a cool. grandparent <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. I can't it's say. definitely a conversation stopper <laughs> I'm someone who enjoys a chat I don't like bringing it up <laughs> but when it comes to heartbreak I was like yeah. I was all over I was all over town running my gums <laughs> Like anyone who would listen. I remember chatting to you and your mum about it. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. The first time I met your baby and just been like, who won't listen to this story? <laughs> and yeah, it was just Perhaps so also, alien. like you said, it's a way of getting sympathy that mm. you weren't happy to do with the deaths. Yeah. that feels so vulnerable and too much and too painful when people start... Because like, I do feel like you feel like you've got no skin. Mm-hmm. So when people start patting you, you're like, you're patting muscle and... Fl- like, like, stop. What, stop. It yeah. actually hurts. But yeah, so we were we were all able to go. Oh, Kaylee, I'm so sorry. That's so awful. And you were able to like get comfort, like us to give you love and comfort. Mm. But it was not about death. So it felt like a very safe way of. Yeah, and I I think as a person anywhere, like my struggle has always been. I do not like weakness. Yeah. I do not like showing weakness. I don't like sympathy. I don't like being perceived as a, a vulnerable person. <sighs> and so throughout the death, when people do that, I'd be like, well, I'm absolutely fine. So please take that sympathetic <laughs> pat and place it somewhere else. Good day. But then good when day it, to you. Good day to you, sir. But then when it came to heartbreak, because people have their heart broken and it's not vulnerable. It's the stuff of every single song, yeah. great film and TV show. And it's a like, I don't know, to be like the, the lesbian about town and this woman broke my heart. It's, an, it's a satisfying narrative. Yeah. And I, felt, I think I felt able to break down a little bit in, in public and not feel weak. Just yeah. be like, well, I'm the same as everyone here. We've all been heartbroken. Yeah, it's so normal. So listen to me. Perhaps, like, it's normal because what you have, like you said, what you went through wasn't normal. Was yeah. slightly, yeah, at the extreme end of grieving. Whereas this was like, I got my heart broken by a pretty yeah. lady. Like, who hasn't been here? Yeah. I got so much airtime out on it, man. I feel <laughs> like I was running into people in the street and, you know, that usual, how are you as you walk by? Yeah. And we all know that you're supposed to go, fine, thanks, even if you're not. And yeah. I'd be like, awful. <laughs> come, come back. I got I to gotta tell you <laughs> something. She broke up with me. I'm, 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 okay, I'll, I'll call you. I'll meet you in Superdrug. I'll come in. I'll come in. I We both have the same problem, which we have talked about, of like, I am exactly the same. I fucking hate being weak and I see vulnerability as a weakness. Mm. I don't know where that comes from. Way back in your childhood, I think that gets programmed in. And my entire therapy has been about going, it's okay to be vulnerable. And I'm like, what? No, and I think for grief, that's hard because grieving makes you the most vulnerable possible. Mm. It really does. And heartbreak makes you vulnerable in a way that this, I just feel like it doesn't strip you of complete... Like I'm, I remember when I broke up with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, and he, I was the Emily in this situation. He was very upset. And I remember thinking at the time, why is he so upset? I'm not dead. Like I couldn't yeah. get my head around it. He was like, this is awful. And I was like, I'm al- I breathe and I'm here. It is not the end of the world. Also, the arrogance of you that like... I still, I'm still alive. Why are you sad? Yeah, because I was like, we could still talk. You can still see Cariad from afar. Exactly. I was like, what is your problem? Like, I literally was like, 
it can't be that bad because I feel like once you know that door exists, you're like, once someone's dead, they're fucking dead like mm. there isn't any you can't shout at them you can't send them their belongings back in a bin bag via their brother I'm over it I'm <laughs> over I'm it I'm sure your husband must have been as well like I know that you're alive but you're I'm in love with you and you yeah. don't want to be a, with me in my yeah. home anymore but I just had no understanding of that <laughs> absolutely no understanding and I did see it again of like I will not be I won't be vulnerable mm. and I think yeah it's just allowing yourself to be vulnerable I think is a big part of the healing process mm-hmm. of going something happened and it, I do feel scared and I do feel weak. And a lot of that anxiety, which yeah, we both have, is trying to stop vulnerability just existing. Yes. Like, so if oh, I'm stressed and I'm worried, I'm not vulnerable. I mean, I'm up at three in the morning thinking, what's, you know, I've locked every single window and I'm checking them again, but I'm not vulnerable. <laughs> I'm taking care of the house. Yes, <laughs> I'm on it. I'm actually really useful. I'm actually quite a useful person. Thank uh, God everyone else in this house can sleep soundly because I'm here being strong. <laughs> <laughs> that that's something I, my therapist said that to me and and it really has stayed with me, me and it's one of those things I 100% believe it's taken me a bit of time to action yes. still working on it yeah. but I remember her saying to me like stop thinking that the thing you need to aim for is strength oh, because yeah. there's a brittleness to strength that's not yeah. what we want what we want to aim for is resilience and so she was like, if you can just twist, if you can reframe that in your mind. So instead of needing to be the strong one, you need to be the resilient one, which within that means you can crash and you yeah. can break down, but you will claw your way back up. And that should be the thing we aim for. We allow ourselves those moments of desolation. And then we take pride in the fact that two days later we can emerge being like, bitches back. <laughs> Guess who back? Still I got a groove back. <laughs> And I really liked that because I have had this fixation my whole life on being the strong one. And like I say, I I 100% believe that. But mm. I think changing the habits of a lifetime takes oh, time. Oh, yeah. Massive. And I've had the same with the vulnerability of like, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. Like, And I'm like, sure, sure, I get it, I get it. Mm. But my God, putting it in action is... Is really yeah because yeah. I will do, I will literally do anything to stop it like whether you know whether it's literally obsessively doing the washing up or email or anything to be like well I'm not vulnerable I'm just over here being very very active yeah, yeah. getting shit done and I think that's a really nice twist on words reframing on words to say resilient because resilient does allow for rain to get in mm. like yeah st- shit can come and go but it's still there whereas strength like you said it, it there's a stubbornness to strength. It doesn't move when it needs, and yeah. sometimes things do need to move. Sometimes, like you said, you do know those those days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's just a journey. There's a thing about that strength as well. Like, same very very wise therapist. I remember her saying to me, like, w- w- around this fixation on being the strong one. She was like, "What what does that mean to you when you think of yourself as the strong one?" And I'm like, "Well, I want a situation where the people I love." know they can rely on me yeah i got their back i'm gonna look out for them if things go badly for them then there is this like i will be a rock for them Mm. and they can lean on me and things like that and she was like that's absolutely lovely but how do you think it feels for your friends if they have broken down in front of you and they've opened up and they've leaned on you how do you think it feels for them if you never return the favor yeah if you never are vulnerable and you never lean on them because as humans, we're pack animals, we're a community. We we want to be there for the ones we mm. love. We want to take care of the ones we love. And she's like, she said, you're not knowingly being selfishness, but there is a selfish element in withholding that from your friends yeah. who love you, who want to take care of you, and you refuse to give them it. Mm. And it sort of almost like limits your relationship if you don't have that. 
well, yeah. push and pull. And I mean, I hate to say it, but that sounds like a Gemini trait. <laughs> because then there's always like 10% of you that your friend doesn't get. Yeah. And also the, this, this crap thing is your friend knows. Your friend is like, I know that you're not okay. And they feel I'm... crap that you don't trust them. Yeah, you yeah. do. You feel a bit like, oh, I guess they don't trust me. And in your head, I think you assume, I guess they're talking to someone else. Mm. I guess maybe I'm not the right person, but I'm sure they're talking to someone, not believing like, nope, not talking to anyone, <laughs> keeping my shit together because otherwise I'll crumble. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I mean, I know it's such a cliche quote of like the strength and vulnerability, but like it is brave to be vulnerable. It is br- because it's so, it's so much hard. It's so much harder to say cry and say I feel shit and I, mm. I don't know if I can do this or I think I'm fucking up than it is to be like don't worry I got it like that's yeah. actually that's what my therapist said to me it was like that's actually quite easy for you it's quite easy for you to be like yeah yeah I got it you can rely on me what's hard okay so maybe the hard thing is the thing you need to practice because that's yes. the thing you're not great that's at what, that's what you're lacking yeah, yeah yeah and I do I do think you seem in a I do think you seem in a good place you know compared to not compared but like obviously when we spoke the first time it was so raw and so mm-hmm. fresh. And I do think you are processing it. It's not, I don't feel like somebody who like, oh dear. <laughs> she, <laughs> She's in denial. Yeah, yeah. You, you are talking about yeah, I'm it. I'm not like, oh, I'm just going to give my nephew a ring. <laughs> Be like, what the fuck? <laughs> the psychic said, psychic's <laughs> yeah. going to call them. Oh, okay, cool, cool. No, I'm definitely working on it. But it's that like, it's an it's an ongoing process and it changes changes and evolves. And like, there is a thing around that I'm still working on, but this, like, fear at the back of your mind that other people will die. And, of course, other people will die. But, like, if I'm in a time of panic or if I'm stressed, I feel it increase. Yeah, yeah. So, like, my mum got sick quite suddenly recently. She's fine now. Um, But I realised that these these things were creeping in. Irrational fears. So if like Emily, my girlfriend, um, if I knew she was cycling, but she cycles a lot, mm. I was petrified the whole time. Yeah. And I was seeing her like dead on the road. Or, you know, if I hadn't, if I couldn't get through to my mum, she was dead. You know, like, where's my sister? Suddenly I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, my sister's dead. And then I'd like, go back to sleep, text her in the morning. Yeah. Um, we talked about it the, up. on the Lauren Silver episode because she has a, a death anxiety yeah like the specific bit of anxiety that's not that's not so much like oh i'm worried about this party it's like i think everyone will die mm-hmm. and i think since lauren's episode a lot of people have got in touch with me to be like oh i thought it was just me yeah i've got that yeah i think if you're in the club you probably have death anxiety because you know that people can die like it's crippling unless you had unless all your deaths have been like 90 year old relatives mm. who died very wonderfully in their beds like you're going to be a little bit like whoa like anything yeah. can happen and it's yeah that like you said that creeping in of oh everybody else can be taken from me especially what happened to you because it was so quick such a quick succession of people just going yeah. oh, they're gone and you have to keep a lid on it as well though because I as I'm always separating my rational brain and just like my heart and my mm. gut and my rational brain knows people will die again yeah. probably unless I'm the next one to die I will experience touch wood touch wood we're both, of course we're all <laughs> all of us all me and Kaylee and yeah. the spirits are touching wood <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Um, We are all going to die. We will face that again, loss and things like that. But definitely, um, I think I'd I'd stopped going to therapy for nearly about a year now. Mm. But purely just because I was good and I was calm and I was, you know, still having my down moments. But I was like, I can handle those. Mm. I feel in control. But yeah, when my mum got sick over the course of about six weeks, it got to the end of the period. And again, you know, refusing to show weakness, but sort of 
turned to my girlfriend and was like, I- I'm actually not okay. Yeah. And having to like, uh, so I'm I'm going back to therapy now and I'm taking it in hand. And so I am fine, but it's, um I think, or, or, like finishing therapy last year, at no point was I arrogant enough to go, that's me fixed forever <laughs> I'm now. I'm done. But I was able to go, I'm good and I'm going to enjoy being good for a bit. Yeah. And then I also had to accept this year, need a top up. Yeah. Need a little rest need to work things out again and then we'll get back on the horse it's the resilience thing this idea that grief is seven stages and your fix is so old-fashioned and nobody believes that anymore it's like it there's lots of new metaphors for it but like it's mm. a, a big sort of mess and sometimes it comes back i would say off the top of my head right now grief is the seven stages of grief mm, do exist but it's more like popcorn and they come up at random and they don't stop coming up. Yeah. But maybe they get slower. But yeah. despair, anger, whatever they are, yeah. denial, anger, they come at you at different times. Well, it's interesting because I've been obviously reading about it. Those seven stages was well, apparently the thing I read. It was one essay on like one psychological study. We all just went all in on it. Well, because it keg. was so fucking neat. Yeah. So everyone went, oh, that's great. Seven stages and you're done. We can write articles about that. We can make jokes about that. Like, mm. it just really fit that time. And I've said this before, but like, that's what Groundhog Day is based on. Like, he goes through the seven stages of grief. He's oh, like, right. denial, anger, like all that. And they that's were. That's such a boring film. <laughs> I find it so formulaic and boring. Maybe that's why, because it just follows a set fine. pattern. That's the most controversial statement you've said the whole show. <laughs> People will not. I know. I won't get tweets about the psychics, but I'll get tweets about going. She didn't like Groundhog Day. I don't like formula. Like, I, maybe this would be the second controversial. I couldn't get into Kirby enthusiasm for the same no. reason. Too formulaic. Oh, you're going to get angry. You're going to be rude to someone. Then you're going to have to make it up to them every single episode. No. You allowed your opinions, and I, I will but not. Shut up. No, no. I actually, I rewatched Groundhog Day, and I'm, I'll say something controversial. I, I still liked it, but I tell you what, Uncle Buck made me cry with laughing 20 years on still made me laugh so good yeah so good agreed um not that we should compare these things but on that note kayla llewellyn it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you maybe we'll have you back for part three trilogy i'm like the hobbit (laughs) is the hobbit a trilogy well i mean that's a whole other it is in film it shouldn't be it should be don't get me started okay okay bye You can follow Kaylee on Twitter at KDLew, that's double L-E-W, or you can head to the BBC iPlayer to watch In My Skin Now. And if you do like it, tweet and Instagram about it because it might help her get a series. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast or email thegriefcast at gmail.com. If you have been enjoying the show, please do rate, review and subscribe. I know everyone asks you to do it, but it genuinely does help other people find the show and allows me to keep making it. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 